On the latest episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, I enlisted Laura Tiberg to chat with me again about Prince's third number one single, Kiss. Welcome back to the show, Laura. Hey, it's great to be here. I'm excited to talk Kiss with you today. Yeah, Kiss is, well, like I said, it's, it's a number one hit. I mean, it was one of the most iconic Prince songs that are out there. It's a song pretty much everybody knows. If you know who Prince is and you know his music at all, you know this song. This is absolutely right up there with, you know, When Doves Cry and Little Red Corvette and um, Raspberry Beret. I mean, it's it's at the very top of the heap in terms of um, of it being popular, of its popularity and of its ubiquity. So it's a big song, you know, it's a big song and it has a really interesting and convoluted history. <laughs> oh man. I'm, as I'm sure, sure you're well aware of that. This is so true. I mean, I think, you know, like, um, when doves cry, I mean, I remember when kiss came on the radio for the first time, it was like, it, it didn't sound like anything else that was being played on the radio at that time, you know, I mean, definitely along the lines of when doves cry. So it, it was just so distinctive. And, um, but yeah, I was, you know, I was reflecting that, you know, this song kiss, it's kind of like, you know, that person you were so excited to start dating because, you know, they just look so super cool and fun and they've got style and it just seems like great on the surface. And then later on as you get more involved like maybe a few months later you find out this person has kind of this complicated past well that to me is kiss <laughs> <laughs> it has a very complicated past that in 1986 i obviously was not aware of and didn't become aware of it for many years later and i, I still probably wouldn't be aware of it if i you know wasn't so deeply invested in my podcast and and diving into prince's um, discography to the level that i am but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, just very briefly, because I don't want to spend the entire episode talking about its history and its its inception. This is this is the kind of the the accepted story of how this song occurred, became to be Prince recorded it a very like rough demo version of the song and a band Maserati, which was, I guess, um, a band that was formed by Brown Mark of the Revolution. Right. So he created this mm -hmm. band Maserati from uh, some friends of Minneapolis area and they were signed to Paisley Park and they were looking for more music for their debut album. And please stop me if I have anything, any of this wrong, Laura. Uh, and so Prince gave him his rough demo of Kiss. You know, he didn't really, I guess at the time he just did it kind of a th pseudo throwaway and just thought, eh, there's some potential here. So, why don't you guys flesh it out and see what you can do with it for your album? And it's kind of like a favor to Brown Mark. And also because it's on Paisley Park label. So I'm sure Prince had some interest in making sure that they succeeded as well. So to come to find out that they, they rework it. They have a producer, David Z in there, and he kind of helps the band come up with, you know, the, um, the groove and the melodies and a little more fleshes it out to be a more full, Full, fuller song than what Prince had sketched that Prince had given and uh, Prince heard it and he liked it and reclaimed it. Does, is that the story that you, yeah. the way you understand it? Oh, or? <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. And I think, um, you know, in our, uh, in the book I co-authored with Alex Han, the, the rise of Prince, um, 
we we have uh, Prince paraphrased as basically saying, "This song is too good for you guys. I'm taking it back." Um, and then and then somewhat feeling guilty about that. And um, actually, after after he sort of you know he, he he felt guilty for kind of poaching Maserati's work, so he went to um, his his engineers, uh, Peggy McCreary and Susan Rogers. This was all happening out in California at Sunset Sound. By the way, this is where everyone was recording. Uh, Prince was working on Parade, and Maserati was working on their first album out there. Um, and McCreary. Uh, Peggy McCreary felt Maserati should keep the song. Um, but Susan Rogers sort of was the tiebreaker and came down on Prince's side of it because she she felt the song would get more exposure on Prince's record. And, um, you know, once that was sort of resolved to Prince's satisfaction, he he took that master and cut his own vocals. Um, Terry Casey was the lead singer of Maserati, so he replaced Terry Casey's vocals and uh, using his falsetto, he he created his own vocals and added that super cool James Brown style, you know, guitar lick um, at the beginning and and where there's that pause after the chorus. So, um, and there you go, Kiss was born. Yeah. Allegedly, yeah. Maserati's vocals are on here somewhere, and I guess David Z's production—you know, the the production, a lot of the production that was meant for the Maserati version of the song—was yeah. kept, or some of it at least. Um, and you know, and I guess I read Brown Mark's um, autobiography recently, and he still has a bit of bitterness towards prince for this this whole scenario what happened and what went down with maserati because you know maserati was his baby yeah it was his band you know and he had a lot of um he had also invested his time and money and efforts into wanting to see this band succeed you know and i guess he feels like at the end of the day he and maserati were dealt a raw deal with the whole kiss scenario of prince taking it back but it is what it is and i don't think that that there's any any doubt that susan's suggestion that it would be more well known and it would have a wider reach if it was recorded as a prince in the revolution song that's pretty hard to dispute i think so i think that there was a some uphill uphill battles to climb in order for a song as good as Kiss to be heard by the masses the way that it deserves to be if it was going to end up being a Maserati song. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, Susan Rogers was definitely, um, I don't know, what would you say, on the right side of history or (laughs) proven out to be correct. It's hard to argue, Um, yeah. It's hard to argue with that kind of success. But I think, think, you know, Maserati, it was complicated, right? Just like the song Kiss. I mean, the relationship with Maserati became very complicated once um, Prince uh, signed them to Paisley Park Records. I mean, according to Mark Brown, you know, Prince started showing up sort of unannounced at rehearsals, which band members found, well, intimidating, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think he, he wanted to control, he started, you know, um, controlling what they were wearing. And, you know, this is, it, this is from the Prince handbook, right? I mean, this is what he did with his, um, his sort of protege groups. But I think it, um, I think that this, that what happened with Kiss um, was maybe the culmination of 
um, a lot of a lot of the way he was sort of trying to control Maserati, and maybe it was you know just sort of the biggest um, blow up in that series of of you know interactions. But I mean, again, as you said, it's hard to argue with success. And Prince turned the song. I mean, uh, you know, his contributions to the song with his vocals and the guitar lick. I mean, it, it definitely. I'm sure it made the song better, right? Because those are two just the standout parts of that song. So mm, absolutely, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, exactly. So the song is is what it is, many ways, because of what Prince can do and what Prince did right. for this song. And we'll never know if Maserati's version of the song could have been a huge hit for them. It would have made them household names. We'll never know. But what we have today is Kiss from Parade. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, I mean, I try to with these episodes for the Under the Cherry Mood soundtrack when when applicable. Maybe reference where like the song was featured in, in the film. Um, Kiss is kind of one of those w- weird songs that I just don't think of the song in under the cherry moon together like some songs are for me inseparable like girls and boys is inseparable for me t- between the movie and the song because of how prominently featured it was as a plot point in the film when they party yeah. at the restaurant uh do you lie is a song that i feel is inseparable for me i think of the movie every single time i i hear the song kiss i just i just don't in that way it's in the movie. It's absolutely in the movie. There's, um, it's when they, it's uh, Mary and, and Christopher Tracy's character are, are kissing in the car after they've escaped uh, from Mary's father and his henchmen, and they kiss, and then you hear the song, and it's like, okay, that's a that's the pop hit that was, you know, kind of featured in this movie. It almost feels like it's uh, outside of itself, like just a song that was pulled from popular culture to be included in a movie, not a song that was written for a movie. At least that's kind of how I always think of it, right or wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. Kiss had a life of its own, so so much bigger in a lot of ways than the movie. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I think they're probably as you said, it's one of his number one songs. There are probably a lot of people who know the song Kiss who've never watched Under the Cherry Moon and would have no idea that it was in a movie, right? So Mm -hmm. um, that's probably why it's... uh, And it it was recorded, um, it's sort of at the tail end, right? I mean, as as a lot of Prince's lead singles for albums were, I mean, um, I'm writing right now about Diamonds and Pearls and, you know, Get Off came at the very end and was just sort of inserted at the album a lot. Prince worked like that a lot with his mm-hmm. um, with his singles. So this it feels it feels like, you know, sort of like Get Off or something like that, that just super catchy, great single, you know, um, maybe like you're saying was sort of inserted into the movie rather than being um, an integral part of the script. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of always how I feel about it. And it doesn't matter. And also it doesn't help the cause that the video has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. The video doesn't feature any clips from the film. It doesn't feature, you know, Prince and his, well, I guess, you know, the way he dressed at that time 
wasn't that dissimilar. I think he wears like a crop cropped shirt in the movie, just like he does in the music video, but he ends up shedding his shirt halfway through the video anyway. So it doesn't really matter, yeah. but yeah, just, just the whole visuals and aesthetics and, um, you know, the promotion around the song just wasn't, and it was released so many months before the movie was released. So it's just, it's just for me not tied to the film. And that has a lot to do with my history with the song and having, you know, remembered the song when it was released in 1986 and having no awareness whatsoever of this movie um, at age 11. I just knew Kiss was a big hit. I loved it. Oh, and four months later, there's a movie. Are they related? <laughs> I don't know. Right. I'm, I, I'm not going to go see it anyway, because I just it didn't it didn't seem to interest me enough. I was barely old enough to go to it anyway, even if I wanted to. But I didn't. Um, and it was one of those much later in life, uh, experiences where I've come to appreciate the film and I've talked about that in previous episodes, but yeah, that's, that's my take on kiss and kiss from a pop culture standpoint. Like it's, it's place in pop culture. I'm going to cite three, um, examples and I, there's no way we can cite them all. You know, I mean, it's just, the song is just so popular and has permeated pop culture for decades now and it's just one of those songs that will that hopefully seemingly forever will be associated with um with prince the 1980s and pop music at the time so one notable one is the cover that was performed by tom jones with the art of noise uh it was released in 1988 and it was a it was a moderate success so tom jones the um singer who had his most of his popular hits in the sixties was covering a, a contemporary song in 1988 to kind of like reinvigorate his career and just kind of uh, try to maybe find some new fans from the younger generation. I feel like that was pretty transparent and I don't know for me, it doesn't work, but it was pretty popular. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Tom Jones cover. I, you know, honestly, I don't, I think Prince, Prince's songs are incredibly difficult to cover. And I generally am just not a fan of any covers of Prince songs. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the Tom Jones, thing. but it, it obviously maybe served somewhat of a purpose in that maybe it was a bridge to a younger generation of fans. Um, I'm, you know, knowing Prince's history of, you know, with Sinead O'Connor and others who covered his music, I'm sure he wasn't thrilled about Tom Jones, but um, yeah, I, I, I do you like the version of it yourself. Or? No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, even back in 1988, when I was still like a teenager, I was like, this is cringy. <laughs> so no, <laughs> I, I didn't right. like it then. I don't like it now. And I, if I, if it ever comes on, I, I um turn it because, it doesn't ever really come on anymore. I never like accidentally come across Kiss by Tom Jones and Art of Noise. No. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> but if I did, I would not listen to it because I really do not like it. No. More power to those who do. I, it's just not for me. Uh, additionally, there's a, a kind of a famous scene in Pretty Woman where Julia Roberts' mm. character is is in the bathtub and at Richard Gere's character's place. I, I've only seen Pretty Woman like once or twice, but I know the scene because it's you know it's pretty it's pretty fun for anybody who's a Prince fan to to acknowledge 
you know, his place in pop culture and in the eighties and nineties. And so she's like bopping along to a song that you don't hear because she's wearing headphones, but she's singing kiss. And then of course he walks in on her as she's singing and, you know, she's feigning embarrassment. Well, actually she probably was legitimately embarrassed. Her character. It's like, don't you just love Prince or, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. Yeah. So I, yeah. I like that reference at least because it's, it's a fun reference and it kind of, speaks to how this how fun this song is to sing along to how fun the song is to listen to and especially like in 1990 we didn't have 30 years of this song being in existence where there may be some kiss fatigue for some of us who are closer to his music and listen to his music more often <laughs> so a song like kiss can be a welcome listen for those who don't listen to prince all the time but yeah um for some of us, you know, it's like, oh, it's Kiss again. <laughs> so, you know, it's in <laughs> 1990. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't, we didn't have that fatigue, I don't think. So it's, it's right. a nice reference. And then it the was. other, only other one I was going to mention was uh, Nicole Kidman singing the song at Happy Feet. It's a song, a movie that I have never oh. seen, but I'm aware that Kiss was chosen as a song to be featured in the film Happy Feet, the movie about um, animated penguins. Singing and dancing, and Kiss was one of the songs, and sung by oh, Nicole Kidman. Nice. Are you aware of any others? Anything I'm that pops not, out to you? I'm you? not. Yeah, the Julia Roberts scene, though, where she's in the bubble bath with her. I think she has a Sony Walkman, or you know, because yeah. of the, it okay. sets it in a definite time. But yeah, it's a it's a really cute scene. But um, yeah. but yeah, that's all. I you know, I think. Um, after Prince died, there's, there have been a lot of videos of people kind of, you know, dancing to kiss and that kind of thing. And there's one that was very popular with a, uh, a mom in the car and her son and kiss comes on and she's just busting out the moves and singing and it, and the son is just sinking in his seat in total humiliation <laughs> mom's like got it going on you know um so there's been some really fun videos um in the last few years with it too it's just such a danceable you know uplifting song yeah kiss is actually um and i'm probably gonna embarrass myself a little bit uh with this declaration but kiss is one of my go-tos for karaoke uh huh. If um, if I am a certain level of happiness, we'll put it that way. I I will lose a little bit of my inhibitions to the point where I will perform <laughs> "Kiss," which is not an easy song to perform, and I can't. Right. Uh, I will not hit. And thankfully, most karaoke machines, you know, they've got the background vocals, so you really just kind of gotta kind of uh, not not make it too much your own just follow along if you can't hit those high notes like prince can that's cool because the background vocals will help you out but there was one specific time that i performed kiss at karaoke it wasn't that long ago it was probably maybe two years ago and it was at a one of the few bars when we were living in the st louis missouri area that was still that still allowed smoking most most uh, bars in the area had banned smoking long ago, and this was one of the um, holdouts. So it was pretty popular for that reason, uh, for those who enjoyed smoking. I don't smoke, my wife doesn't smoke, and the friends that we were with didn't smoke, but it was karaoke night, so we went anyway. So we uh, we went there, and, and 
dealt with the with the secondhand smoke and so we could all do karaoke and everybody's like well you gotta do a Prince song right because i had already started my podcast and people knew that what i was doing like okay what am i gonna do though because they're only gonna have like the most popular songs and i'm not gonna even if they didn't i'm not gonna sing you know a really obscure song that nobody knows and it's just gonna be like what who is this guy and what is he singing so i sang kiss and i think i mean i did okay but it was funny after i was done um a woman came up to me she's like i'm so glad you sang that song because i remember seeing him at the checker dome in uh, 1985 for the purple rain tour and it just brings back so many so many memories and i thought that was really sweet you know somebody who had seen him at you know a lifelong st louis resident because the checker dome was a former um concert venue in st louis that no longer exists but it did in the 1980s and so it was able to i was able to bring out some memories for i mean kiss obviously wasn't performed at the checker dome in 1985 during the purple rain tour but just a prince song in general was enough to spark some memories in this woman who um clearly enjoyed prince and and had an affinity for him and his music so it was just a nice a nice memory and i haven't performed this song in karaoke sense but uh i would if the opportunity arose and covid is over and i'm back out there <laughs> doing karaoke <laughs> back out there with your cropped shirt jason that's what i, I want to see yeah next oh, time no, 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 no. <laughs> next time you i don't i don't have shirt. a body like i don't have a body like princes to be able to pull a half shirt off but that's not, right. not not too many men can to be quite honest <laughs> No, that's right. My husband, in fact, informed me, I've called this a crop top, you know, the, the outfit that Prince wore. And he's, he's informed me that men do not wear tops, they wear shirts. So I'm being very careful to call this a cropped shirt. Okay, so I'm... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, that is a good point. Getting yeah, the vernacular sure straight. get the language straight. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. Okay. But yeah, now I'm not, my expectations are up there now for, you know, we ever both in Chanhassen at the same time at the country Inn and in sweets karaoke night. I'm, I'm going to call you up there, Jason. Well, I, I will do kiss. <laughs> Promise okay. you. If we're, we're there together, I'll do kiss. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we should probably start digging into the lyrics. So, uh, with the song, you know, the song has a couple, uh, three verses a chorus that doesn't really change, but um, I think the there's a very distinct pattern that Prince employs for the first couple of, of verses in this song, and it'll become quite apparent as we go through it. Like you know, the pattern that he follows, and which which makes it really easy to sing along to. It, it's not a very complicated song lyrically, uh, and it's easy to remember. There's a lot of simple rhymes and. A lot of simple patterns. You don't this, you don't that. You don't have to be. Don't have to be beautiful. First verse is You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on. I just need your body, baby, from dusk till dawn. You don't need experience to turn me out. 
You just leave it all up to me. I'm going to show you what it's all about. Right off the bat, you get uh, a sense for where he's going with the song. I mean, a song called Kiss, you have to kind of, unless it pulls the rug out from underneath you, it's going to be a song about a relationship or an attraction, or in Prince's case, a woman, and his, um, you know, trying to woo her or trying to win her over with his charms. And in this song, with You Don't Have to Be, he's kind of almost like presenting a list of unrequirements, not a list of requirements. Like, you don't have to, he's not saying, I need you to be this or that or the other. He's like, these are the things you don't have to be. You don't have to even be beautiful, which, you know, I mean, if anybody was following Prince's love life in 1986, they were like, well, let's see, you've been with Vanity, <laughs> you've been with Susanna Melvoin, you've been. <laughs> You've been rumored to be linked with Sheila E. The list goes on and on. I mean, there's he has beautiful women in his, you know, his history as as women that he's dated and been with. So the fact that he says that you don't have to be beautiful is, I think, would be maybe a little bit unexpected from a lyrical standpoint. I mean, it's a, it's a nice sentiment that you know beauty is skin deep, and there's all that whole um, discussion about um, beauty and its place, but. I do like that line to, you know, kick things off. You don't have to be beautiful to turn me on, which is a, which is a great, you know, it's a great line. It's a great line. And, you know, it's so interesting as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about Prince's autobiography, um, the beautiful ones. And one of the things he talks about um, in the part that he did write himself, I mean, we know, sadly, he never got to complete it. But um, in the in the pages he did write, he talked about um, what a woman um, could bring um, that was so far beyond beauty, right? Um, and he talked about a woman with having an active imagination, and that that was the quality that um, that was the most important in, you know, in terms of a relationship. And, and then he talked about, he went into sort of his childhood and, and playing house with, um, with a, a little girl who sort of was like, you're going to be my husband. And, you know, uh, and it, that chapter is called kiss. And um, it talks about how she, you know, would be like, okay, we have to kiss, you know, before you go to work, and then you get the kiss when you come home from work, and then you get the kiss before bed. And um, that it, he talks about that being his first kiss. And he he talks about imagination, being, um, you know, just a very compelling quality. And he talks about, you know, beauty is not as necessary. So anyway, that brings me that's so great Jason I hadn't I hadn't thought about that but it, it's a great opening line and it's very princely in that you know he often as a writer writes you he 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 um, writes a lot in the second person so he directs it to you and mm -hmm. I think that's why we all feel such a direct connection when he sings um, but yeah you don't have to be beautiful no but in the very next line though he does say I just need your body baby from dust till dawn <laughs> So then we're back to the whole uh, Prince as a, a man preoccupied with with sex and uh, and speaking about it and singing about it. So, you know, as a as a 1986 listener, this is pre Jehovah's Witness. This is, you know, pre marriage. Prince is perceived as a 
you know about you know a bachelor a, a very popular bachelor that a bit of a womanizer maybe if you're following along with the tabloids and anything like that so for him to say i just need your body baby it just kind of it's like okay that's an expected line like i don't, <laughs> you don't have to be beautiful to turn me on maybe a little bit unexpected but yep. the very next line i just need your body baby from dust till dawn you might expect a line like that in a prince song in 1986 so i like how he throws you a curveball at first but then follows that up with you know, oh, there's Prince is talking about sex again. <laughs> so it's we're back to back to the, like the typical lyrical tropes that some of his detractors would say would be some of his weaknesses. Like, does does he talk about anything else? Well, maybe he uh, he obviously does. But to those who are just listening to the hits, it might seem like that's what is his main focus on uh, from a lyrical standpoint. Right. You don't need experience to turn me out. Just leave it all up to me. I'll show you what it's all about. And, you know, I think he's just, and it's interesting with that last line, you just leave it all up to me. You, that's another part of the pattern that we'll, we'll see as we go through the lyrics that he, he ends each verse with kind of him saying, I've got this, <laughs> you know, basically yeah. uh, in a very succinct summarization of that line. I got this. Don't worry about it. So if you don't have any experience, that's cool. I do. 1986. We're not. We're not 1978, 1979. Prince still singing about. I'm a virgin, you know, and I've never had sex before, and I've never experienced this, never experienced that. I'm a much more worldly. And now, if I'm writing lyrics from a perspective of a man in his late 20s, who's had massive successes, uh, this is the kind of thing that I'm going to say. I'm going to say like, yes, I do have experience, and I do. I feel like I know what I can bring to uh, make make this encounter or make this relationship good for you, or whatever that means. So, mm. uh, anything else in the first verse that you wanted to touch on, Laura? No, I'm just keeping an inventory of all the things you don't need to be. So you don't need to be beautiful. You don't need experience. Okay, so we'll I'll nope, keep listening. You don't. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. You keep that list going. So because we got a couple more here in the chorus. You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. Ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with. I just want your extra time and your kiss, kiss, kiss. So I'm not going to do the smoochy sounds, but uh, <laughs> everybody knows what those are. I just want your extra time and your kiss. So two more things you don't have to be. You don't have to be rich and you don't have to be cool. Yeah. And yep. I guess, you know, we don't have to be rich. You know, Sure. If you're if you're already wealthy, you don't need your significant other to be wealthy. But if you're just taking that out of the equation, it's just another one of those like you don't have to have these material things. And being cool is less important as long as you know you basically if you give me your love, give me your affection, and give me your time. Uh, how cool you are, and how wealthy you are, and how experienced you are. And how beautiful you are are less important to me. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, this this chorus, I mean, it feels almost silly for me to recite the lyrics because, gosh, who doesn't know them? I mean, my kids even know the chorus by heart <laughs> at this point. Uh, I mean, I know they, they they live with a father who listens to Prince all the time, so they may not be <laughs> your typical preteens, but um, I don't know. I just feel like the song, the the chorus is, if anything, the chorus is so well known. Like, yeah, uh, it's hard to to say anything that people haven't heard before, except for maybe the word cool. So yeah. I've always heard cool. You don't have to be cool to rule my world, but just doing some like internet searching and digging into it. I've seen people mistake that word for cruel. Oh, did you ever, did you ever think, I mean, did you know as far as your recollection, Laura, that this has always been cool in your mind or was I there never ever heard a it. point well, where you thought it? Yeah. You don't have to be cruel. No, I always thought cool, but I mean, that's the, you know, that's in the Prince vernacular is cool. Right. I mean, he uses mm-hmm. that word a lot. So no, but I, I guess I could see how, how it might sound that way. Um, yeah. But no, I've always taken it to be, uh, to be cool, huh? You don't have to be. Yeah. But also, you don't have to be cruel. That wouldn't make sense. But anyway, people yeah, hear no, all sorts I, I of think things. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people do. Yes, it's cool. We're cool. I think. Let's move on with the next, with the next verse. Yep. And the only other thing I wanted to say with the chorus, though, is just the ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with. So mm. I, I, I'm not with astrology. That's not my my thing. Um, I couldn't tell you all the astrological signs. I could not recite them all. I know what I'm, I, I know what mine is. I know what mine yours? is. And I know Prince's mine's you? I'm a Capricorn. Okay. I'm a Capricorn born in January, January. early, yep. early, Jan- early January. And um, I, mean, I know Prince was a Gemini, but don't ask me <laughs> much That's of anything it, huh? else. <laughs> I, I just it's not something I've ever paid attention to or really kind of committed to memory. But for some people, you know, astrology signs are important and, and um, for him to make a reference of that, you know, as a as a Gemini, I don't know if that's a Gemini thing to do or not. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's funny. I think you know it's a great line, though. It's the longest line in um, in the song, right? The ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with, right? That's the longest line because these lines are pretty short, right? You don't have to be rich to be my girl. Mm-hmm. These are short lines, and that one is long, so it's sort of is emphasized i think just because of its length and it's it, it's catchy but yeah i mean another thing you don't have to be you don't even have to be a particular sign right so uh i'm gonna yeah. add that to my inventory yeah and of course ain't no particular sign that i'm more compatible with is the line that he screams at the end yeah so it's like he chose that line out of all the lines to to potentially kind of emphasize on the outro with his scream with you know the really memorable way he finishes the song so that's that's an important line for that reason yeah. if nothing else <laughs> Alright, so the second verse. You got to not talk dirty, baby, if you want to impress me. You can't be too flirty, mama. I know how to undress me. Yeah, 
I want to be your fantasy. Maybe you could be mine. You just leave it all up to me. We could have a good time. All right, so Laura, I'm going to let you lead off this first discussion. What jumps out at you, or what do you think is worth talking about here in the second verse? Um, you know, okay, so you got to not talk dirty, baby. I have heard that in the past, talking about mishearing lyrics. I thought he had said, you've got to know how to talk dirty, baby, if you want to impress me. So obviously, I, I was... Um, taking this the exact opposite way did you hear it yeah. this way you've got to not talk dirty baby i i recall thinking like i wasn't sure i could hear it both ways depending on what i wanted to hear is what i heard you know if you want to hear you got to not talk because you know you got to not talk dirty baby that's a little awkward right it's not a typical way that you would say don't talk dirty so for him to say that and if you're not wanting to hear that because of how awkward it sounds and how improper the English is, you could turn that into something else pretty easily the way it's been, you know, the way it's sung. And I don't remember specifically, like, if I got it right off the bat, you know, but at some point you got to not talk dirty, babe. The way he sings it, I just feel like I eventually figured out that, okay, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's not <laughs> It's not great grammar, but I think he's saying you not to, you got to not talk dirty, and I just kind of right. stuck with that. Right. But yeah. you know, I could totally, I I would totally um, be able to accept and relate to anybody who heard that differently because of the way it's sung, for sure. Uh, yeah, I've always taken. I I had to actually look at the lyrics to to catch it because I guess my you know I'm thinking. Why would Prince be against talking dirty? But, you know, maybe he was more on the straight and narrow path than we ever imagined at that time. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it definitely, if he was, then it definitely comes and goes. Let's put it that way. Because he wasn't that far removed goes. from recording the Black Album and Bob right. George. And um, right. you know, he definitely, if he was on the straight and narrow path in 1985 when he recorded the song, it, it wasn't for long at that point, at least. <laughs> That's right. uh, with the with the first line in both verses so far, kind of surprising, right? So uh, you don't have to be beautiful. Kind of a surprising line to come from a guy who is kind of a known womanizer, at least in the 80s. Um, yep. And then for him to say, you don't have to talk dirty, in essence, I'm paraphrasing. You have to talk dirty if you want to impress me. From a guy who kind of uh, set the standard for explicit lyric or explicit <laughs> content in, in, in songs... Uh, yep. sparking the PMRC's ire in 1984. So for him to say that, for of any pop artist, for that line to come out of Prince's mouth would be surprising. And it's not because I'm sure he's like, oh, I, I love a woman that has a dirty mouth. No, it's just because you know, if you're going to say you don't have to talk dirty, um, it just is his, I think, like his way of saying, just because I talk dirty doesn't mean you have to. You don't, you don't have to get, you know, to my level of, of uh, vulgarity. It's okay if you're a little more prim and proper in yep. your language. It's all good. You don't have to talk dirty. You don't even have to, like, you know, if, if you take that to be, like, bedroom talk. You don't even have to really do that. You know, I don't need that from you. I don't need you to, to turn me on in that way. Right. Um, it's not going to impress right. me if you try to 
because you think, oh, I know Prince. He he likes dirty talk, right? Because that's what he does in his music. Uh, not necessarily. You know, I mean, we we all kind of have figured. Many of us have figured out at this point that a lot of what Prince did early in his career was, um, you know, a means to an end. Like, I'm going to shock people with this lyric, or I'm going to yeah. say this to get attention. It's just it's music. You know, it's just a aspect of of you know his performance. So mm-hmm. I do like that line and the whole "you can't be too flirty, Mama." I know how to undress me. That's that's a really clever yeah. line as well. That is always like that. That's a great line. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's really interesting as we're talking about this because I, you know, when I thought about these lyrics, I was thinking this is all just kind of on the surface, right? This is just Prince play, being playful, and it's a great flirty song. But as you're as you're talking about this, it's really saying, you know. It's talking about expectations and it's it's really kind of turning the pressure valve down right on um i think women feel so much pressure to look a certain way and behave a certain way and you know adhere to standards and prince is really like just drop all that no just mm-hmm. be you right and um and not to get too caught up in the appearances, like you're saying of his, you know, his stage persona and, um, you know, that the, the person underneath is, is different. You don't have to try to be all those things. I don't, I don't even expect that of you. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's for when, uh, coming from a woman's standpoint, it's just a great song because it's sort of like, no, just let all that go. Like, don't, you know, don't try to be all these things. Um, it's not yeah. even, I don't, I don't expect it. It's not necessary and I don't even want it, you know? Yeah, that's good. That's a great, you know, way of thinking about it. And I think that's a large reason why the song was so popular is because it's very relatable, you know, for everybody, not, not even just women, but just men as well thinking about it. Like, okay. So if this famous guy is saying like hit the girl of, that he's interested in or the girl that he's pursuing really doesn't have to do anything other than just give him time. Basically. I mean, he's saying, I just want your body and I just want your kiss. But what I take that to mean is I, I want you to, I want your time and I want your energy and I want your focus. And I think that's what everybody in in a relationship wants. They don't want their significant other to be, um, looking elsewhere for enjoyment looking elsewhere for comfort they want to be that person for the for the other person and so if you're not any of these things this this list that you're creating this long list of things (laughs) you don't have to be to your point it is very freeing and it does allow one to feel like uh i deserve this too I, i i may not be the most attractive person or i may not have a lot of money um i don't have a cool bone in my body but it doesn't make me less worthy of love and affection. So it's it's a great message, kind of if you really if you really dig down deep and you're not thinking of it just surface level. There's a there's a good message here. For sure, yeah, it's a it's a very freeing message, and um, I'm sure I remember thinking way back in the day, oh, you don't have to be beautiful, rich, cool, any of these things to still have a chance with Prince. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance yeah yeah i kind of so have that written down there's like there's a chance yeah 
<laughs> it's leaving it leaving the door wide open for anybody. So oh, anybody eternal. who's yeah, <laughs> anybody who kind of has a, a a thing for Prince in 1986, they're thinking, hmm. Okay, now I just got to get in the same like room with him. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put we'll put all this to the test. <laughs> oh yeah, I like oh, it. That's I like funny. It. <laughs> so the last line in the second chorus is, "You just leave it all up to me. We could have a good time," which kind of follows the same pattern, uh, where it says, "You just leave it all up to me. I'm going to show you what it's all about." Versus, "You just leave it all up to me. We could have a good time." Basically, yeah. saying the same thing, just in a different way. So after the second verse, we get the chorus again, which is, I believe, identical. So there really isn't anything else to say there. You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. Ain't no particular sign I'm more compatible with. I just want your extra time and your kiss. All right, then we get the bridge. And there's, I mean, this is the, you know, the guitar where the guitar becomes more prominent and you get in the, in the video, um, I think Wendy's playing, even though she doesn't play guitar on the song, <laughs> you know, you yeah. pulled her out for the video and she's sitting on that stool and it's a really playful moment between the two of them where, you know, he's getting all up in her face and she makes those funny faces, like kind of cringe <laughs> faces. Uh, it's a great video. I've always loved it from day one. Yeah. But all he says really here in the bridge is, I think I want to dance. Got to, got to. Then he says in a high in a falsetto, little girl Wendy's parade, which is a, which I will admit is a line. I never knew what he was saying no. for, for many, many, many years. Because little girl Wendy's parade is not, it's, it would have meant nothing to me in 1986, 1996. <laughs> it didn't become a line that had any kind of uh, relevance. Until I started, you know, digging into more of his music for the podcast and just for my own enjoyment and realizing that uh, Christopher Tracy's parade originally started out as Little Girl Wendy's Parade. So this is like a carryover from the original lyrics for that song before he changed it to Christopher Tracy to kind of more fit, you know, the the film and his character in the film. So he didn't make any effort to change this, but it's sung in a way that really nobody... It's very difficult to know what he's saying anyway. Little girl Wendy's parade. So yeah, it's who knows. I didn't know what he was saying. I I probably didn't even make any effort to to figure it out. I just kind of <laughs> um, forgot about that line and just moved past it to get to the rest of the lyrics when I was singing along. Yep, that's right. I, yeah, I got to be honest. Until I studied this for the podcast, I had no idea that was the first time I'd ever read that line. I yeah, just I let mean, it slide on by. Exactly. It, it, it's seemingly nonsensical um, if you didn't know that Christopher Tracy's parade started out that way. So just an interesting side note. He kept it in there despite the fact that the song in its original incarnation was uh, changed, evolved. Mm. All right. So then we get to the third verse, third and final verse. And just like with a typical Prince song, I mean, I'm doing all of these episodes. I've I've kind of cracked the prince code in terms of uh, uh lyric writing and this first two verses typically i mean obviously there's exceptions to everything 
but his first two verses typically follow a, a, a pattern. You know, he, he does something in verse one, and he does a very similar thing in verse two. But then for verse three, and it maybe isn't just a Prince thing. If I if I um, did something similar to what I'm doing with this podcast for another artist, maybe I'd explore and figure out that this is just a typical songwriting trope in general. I don't, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. But what he does in a third verse is usually something different. He He makes it his own like he changes the way the song is structured the lyrics are structured the way he sings it something something's always different about verse three and there's this song is no exception because he doesn't follow the same you don't have to be this you don't have to be that says instead is women not girls rule my world i said they rule my world act your age mama not your shoe size maybe we could do the twirl you don't have to watch dynasty to have an attitude you just leave it all up to me my love will be your food with uh verse three as i mentioned he changes the pattern a little bit it doesn't i mean there is still a you don't have to uh you don't have to watch dynasty so that's always been the line to me that stood out the most and as far as also act your age, not your shoe size, because, you know, most people's shoe sizes either in the single digits or the low uh, double digits, which implies that they are very childlike if they're acting their shoe size. So it's just uh, a clever saying. Prince didn't make it up. He's just, um, you know, incorporating a, a common saying into his song. And then the reference to Dynasty, a very 80s reference <laughs> i mean uh, <laughs> did you watch dynasty at all laura no i think i was too young for it i don't think my parents would let me watch that you know level of scandal at that age so i didn't watch it but i think well, my mom did <laughs> so okay okay yeah yeah my mom watched dynasty and so i would catch episodes now and then uh it was quite a soap opera i i think didn't he sing this live in concert once and change it to the kardashians oh he, I, he basically anytime after like i don't know um probably the 90s and beyond well the 90s he didn't really do a lot of like diving back into his biggest hits not to say he never yeah. did but it wasn't something that he did as often so i think the some of the more some of the more modern references that he made for this song to replicate or to a re replace Dynasty in the lyrics because nobody's going to sing about a show that's been off the air for 20 years in 2007, 2009. So he replaced it with a, a multitude of TV shows, Desperate Housewives in some cases mm. in the mid to late 2000s, Sex in the City in the early 2000s. I guess even Orange is the New Black, which isn't really a soap opera. I mean, it kind of is. Oh. I've watched that show. It's more of a drama, but... I don't know that uh, he just probably just was like, okay, what's a, what's a show that's kind of popular right now that people would know <laughs> that I can make it fit into this song. And that's what I'm going to say. Desperate right. housewives and sex and city absolutely makes sense because they're more sure. modern versions of a primetime soap opera. Right. Um, Orange is the new black. I didn't really get that. <laughs> but I mean, It's cool that he did it though. 
and kept it modern, you know, for the, and I'm That's sure right. Kardashians too. You don't have to watch the Kardashians or keeping up with the Kardashians. It falls in line with the, the material kind of the, the perception of materialism and, uh, yeah. you know, we're going to portray a certain lifestyle that nobody else can achieve or is achieving. <laughs> and That's right. you know, a little, a little bit of a, a throwback to like eighties excess. So it, it makes That's sense. That's right. That's right. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a great line, women, not girls rule my world. And um, I hadn't, I remember back in the day hearing this, I don't think I'd heard that old adage about act your age, not your shoe size. So that was new to me. And I thought that was super cool. And, um, but yeah, that's a, it's a great verse. Again, it changes, you know, he breaks the rules, like you said, with his own songs, he sets a pattern, and then he breaks it. And so this is, I think it stands out for that. Um, you know, the in, if you look at it in terms of like rhyming and syllables and that kind of thing, it completely changes up from the first two verses and and really stands out. But then he does go back to you don't have to watch Dynasty, right? He kind of he doesn't completely go off the rails with it, um, and then ends mm-hmm. up you know you just leave it all up to me. And uh, yeah, that's. Yep. My love will be your food. Again, that's another one that I think people maybe mishear a lot. Because um, it's not expected to say my love will be your food, right? It's not no. something you expect to hear. So I remember wondering what the heck he was saying a few times on that before I actually looked up the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. Because anytime you say something that isn't expected and... You know, if you're singing in a falsetto with music behind it, there's an opportunity for uh, misinterpretation, mishearing, misunderstanding. Yeah. So it's it's not surprising. And uh, honestly, you know, at, at the age of uh, 11, at the ripe old age of 11 <laughs> in 1986, uh-huh. I, I honestly don't remember if I had heard Act Your Age, Not Your Shoe Size, or if I had and I never really... Uh, put two and two together and then when i heard kiss then i started hearing it all over because you know that's a phenomenon you you hear it in something that just sticks in your brain and all of a sudden you start seeing or hearing it everywhere it was always there yeah. you just never really noticed it and for something something flipped some switch was flipped in your brain to now recognize a saying or something you know visual that you had been ignoring all this time so it could have been that for me as well. Yeah. But yeah, the whole third verse from beginning to end is is just a lot of fun. And those are lines that people just love to repeat, love to repeat when they sing the song. That's right. And that last line with leave it all up to me, my love will be your food. That's ties in again. Leave it all up to me. That's really the common one of the common threads for every single verse. Leave it mm-hmm. up to me. He says that every, time and time again in the song. Leave it up to me. All right. So then after that, we essentially get the end of the song, which is a repeat of the chorus again. And I'm looking at the lyrics and uh, for the line, ain't no particular sign I'm compatible with. There's an exclamation point at the end of it (laughs) that didn't exist in the previous writings. So just in case you weren't aware of the song and how it's performed, you're supposed to sing that line with great (laughs) emphasis. (laughs) <laughs> scream which is, it which is fun yeah in prince's case scream it and <laughs> you know uh, some people like prince's screaming some people don't 
I don't know how you can like Prince and not like his screaming because it's really kind of they go hand in hand. Right. But you're like, oh, I really like Kiss, except for when he screams at the end. <laughs> I don't know. For me, for me, that's like I I look forward to that moment uh, in the song right. every time I hear. It. Like I'm right. looking forward to, to hearing that, and it's mostly because for a couple reasons. One, it's it's not a typical pop song uh, trope. It's not something that pop singers do. Mm. And Prince was not your typical pop singer, clearly. Uh, I think we wouldn't probably be here talking about his songs 30 plus years later if he was a typical pop singer. So just for him to say, like, I'm just going to go all out and I'm going to scream this line, (laughs) uh, you know, and whether or not it takes people off guard um, throws them for a loop and just makes them scratch their heads. I don't care. This is what I'm going to do because I want to, I mean, put almost like an exclamation point on the song, just like it is in the lyrics that I'm reading. I need to, I need to put an exclamation point here. Just me singing the the chorus again in its normal way. I mean, how, how memorable is that? You know, <laughs> and, and it's all about making that impression and make doing something different, doing something unique. And, you know, Michael Jackson had his unique things. Madonna had her unique things. There's uniqueness about everybody that that we still kind of hold up there at the, you know, the top of the um, the uh, pop music uh, Mount Rushmore. But Prince had his things, and screaming was one of them. Uh, and, and and you either like it and you get down with it, or yep. you. Or you don't. And those of us who really like Prince dig it. I, I dug it tremendously as a as a child and I dig it today, you know, as a middle aged man. So I always look forward to that line. Yes. And it, you know, it's it's kind of funny, isn't it, that he screams that line because I mean there are times when he screams and you know, it makes sense, right? Because in the beautiful ones he's screaming like, I want you, right? And it makes sense to scream it. And here it, in this song, it's just sort of like he's just gonna scream that line, even though you know it's not like it's not like any huge declaration or something hugely meaningful, but it just it it's it's great that he like throws all this you know energy into that into that random line about astrological signs i love it (laughs) it's just he's gonna be prince yeah (laughs) yeah it's super random and it definitely catches like the first time a person ever hears a song it's going to catch you off guard i promise Mm -hmm. you because you're thinking you know he sings the song for the most part in his high falsetto in a certain way and you know at the very end of the course he starts to amp it up a little bit you know, you, you start to sense that he's going somewhere with the way he's performing the last chorus for the last time. But even then, you don't expect that. You just don't. And no. that's what makes it so brilliant. Uh, it comes out of nowhere. It's the, It hits you and, you know, smacks you across the face and then the song's <laughs> over. And, you just, and you're just left wondering, holy shit, <laughs> that, that was a great ending. That was an yeah. amazing ending to a song. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Kiss is a great song. I don't care if it's overplayed. It's still a great song. It's still great. Uh, you my, can't help but dance. That's right. That's right. It's, the verdict is unanimous. It's a great yeah. song. And I got to say, I'm glad Prince kept it. There. I said it. For sure. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I'll echo that. Absolutely. Because 
I I can't imagine uh, his discography without it, to be quite honest. Right. Um, and I can't imagine Parade without it. It was the biggest hit. And while the movie de- didn't necessarily need it, the album did. I don't think mm. the album would be... It wouldn't have sold as well. <laughs> Guaranteed yeah. it wouldn't have sold as well without Kiss. And Parade's a great album, so it needed it needed like that flagship track, you know, like Around the World in a Day had Raspberry Beret and um, yeah. Sign of the Times had a couple of them, thankfully. Love Sexy had Alphabet Street. Uh, yeah. Batman had Bat Dance. Every, like, even as good as some of those Prince albums were in the 80s, there some of them didn't have a lot of huge hits. But at least right. they had the one. They had one. Each of them had one big hit at least. Mm. And Kiss is that one for Parade, and uh, it, it was it was necessary in order for this album to sell the the numbers that it did to get out there and become kind of like this. Oh well, you love Purple Rain, you love Sign of the Times in 1999, but what about Parade? It's kind of like almost like this uh, right. uh, hidden, hidden. I mean, it's hidden in plain sight for anybody who knows Prince's music, but for those that are outside of the, the Prince bubble, <laughs> as I sometimes yep. call it, Parade <laughs> is almost like a, like a, an album that people need to discover for their own. And like, Oh yeah, this is, this is really good stuff too. I only heard Kiss before, but the rest of the album is amazing. It's like that gateway right. song. You need, you simply right. need that. Right. The gateway drug to Parade. <laughs> That's what the gateway drug is. to Parade is absolutely <laughs> Kiss. For sure. That's for right. Sure. All right, so that is the end of the song. Laura, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up about the song we didn't touch on already? You know, I think we've done justice to Kiss, I hope. And um, I I hope, you know, anyone who's got further thoughts or how they heard the lyrics um, will chime in with that because, uh, you know, I think it's one of those songs you remember from way back when, and you've been singing it in the car forever and it'll just be fun to, you know, see other people's recollections of this, you know, number one smash hit for Prince. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that I was around for it when it was new and fresh instead of being aware of it after decades of, of being beat down and being beaten to my brain from pop culture references. <laughs> right. But, uh, it's, a, you know, it's, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, there's a number of Prince songs at this point that I've heard thousands, thousands of times Yeah, that I never get tired of. And while sometimes, you know, like ah, kiss again, I might skip it, <laughs> but maybe one out of every five times I'll skip it. I'll still listen to it more times than not. <laughs> we'll right. just say that. Well, and sometimes if you're with people who aren't in the, you know, purple bubble, as you say, um, just if Kiss comes on, just seeing their joy is just, you know, makes it worthwhile. Yeah. So <laughs> Exactly. Going back to yeah. my karaoke reference, you know, I'm That's sure that right. woman probably hadn't heard. She probably hadn't heard Kiss in years. Yeah. If I had to guess, based on her reaction to hearing it at a karaoke bar. So it's it does spark a lot of nostalgia. For those of us that were alive and um, at the in the eighties, and I think uh, it'll always be remembered for that, and fondly remembered for that, if nothing else. That's right. 
That's right. Okay, well, I think then we will wrap this episode up. I wanted to thank you again, Laura, for joining me. Always appreciate your perspective. Always appreciate your contributions to the show very, very greatly. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, promote something, anything that you wanted to promote at this time. Oh, sure. Well, thank you for having me, Jason. I love being part of this uh, endeavor. And um, you can follow me. Anyone can follow me on Facebook as Laura Tebert, and it's T-I-E-B-E-R-T. Um, also on Instagram and Twitter under my name. And uh, I'm currently... Uh, you know, preparing an online course um, based on the year that I lived like Prince back in 2019. So um, I will soon, uh, I'll be launching the course in June. And if you follow me, you'll get updates. And, and if you're interested, you can uh, sign on to live like Prince this summer. Yes, I took part in Laura's uh, free week-long course just very recently. And um, you know, she kept it very simple for us, <laughs> for us newbies to get started. <laughs> didn't want, didn't want to scare some of us away, but it was interesting for sure. I, you know, there was a challenge to dress like Prince, to say no, uh, create your own symbol like he did in the nineties. And there were others as well. And I just remember thinking, uh, I can do this, you know, I mean, it, it's not, <laughs> it's not always easy to, to do some of these things. It certainly isn't easy to um dress like prince in in pandemic times when you're just you're just kind of stuck at home anyway and you're not really going out there i guess in some ways that may make it easier if you don't have to go out in public you can put on whatever you want but thinking of it from like okay what does this mean to me as a person who's going out in public what kind of foot am i putting forth in the world and what am that's i trying right. to say with my clothes what am i trying to say with my clothes and that's um, you know, a very interesting thing to think about that many of us never do, yes. myself included. Uh, yeah, no, and I mean, you do feel better when you dress up a little bit. And, I, you know, you did a great job tapping into your inner purple Yoda, Jason, for the week. And, um, <laughs> you know, I hoped it, it made you feel like maybe you got a little bit of your mojo back. We've all, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a rough year. Uh, and yeah. so, uh, yeah. yeah, I hope this uplifts people. I encourage anybody to check out uh, what Laura is doing to see if that's something that would be up your alley. <laughs> so thanks again. And my name is Jason Brenninger. I am the host again of the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics podcast. You can find the show just about anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, I also have a blog, presserwine.net. I would love to uh, hear from anybody who's into the show or has anything to say about this song in particular. And uh, thanks to all my listeners. Join the Discord if you're on Discord. I have a link to the Discord server in uh, my profile and basically on every social media platform I'm on. I wanted to thank Laura and thank all of the listeners. And until next time, yeah, goodbye. You don't